In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Welcome back into the Retirement Pathfinder podcast. I'm Ben George, along with retirement income planning specialists, Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane over at Pathfinder Wealth Management. We're here today to do a little financial fact or fiction. Should be fun. We're going to go through some some ideas or some maybe some uh, beliefs that people have in retirement or financial planning. We're going to find out whether or not they are true, how much of this we can believe, and we'll, do, we'll get uh, Barbara and Phil to break it all down for us and sort out the truth from uh, the fiction on today's podcast. Barbara and Phil, how's everything going? Great. It's great. great. Yep. Sun's out. You know, yeah. I, we're, we're looking to warmer weather here. The, you know, the economy's opening up. Yay. Mm-hmm. All things are good. Yeah, that's outstanding. I know um, that doesn't mean, Phil, even though the economy's opening up and people are traveling again, doesn't mean you're going to leave the farm though, right? You're still going to be spending a lot of time out there. Oh, yes. I love that farm, Ben. And and I do have a report from the farm. Would you like to hear it? I would love to hear it. Yes. All right. We, ben, you ought to have some uh, farm introductory music going on. Here I know. We, we need to add something, so, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll have to Google it if there's such a thing. Yeah, yeah. So so last time I, d- I basically uh, described uh, a predator that we discovered on our farm and uh, in the area. I've since talked to some other folks around the area and they've seen Bobcats, and uh, they can be predators. They they watch out for your doggies and puppies out there, and your uh, your kitty cats. But recently, I discovered a new predator on the farm. Turkeys, not the turkeys after the pheasant. not the turkeys after the pheasant eggs. No, 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 not the bobcat, not the coyotes. We already know about those guys, but this is something brand new that most people haven't probably even considered. Who is the new villain picking on all the other little animals? <laughs> the ringneck pheasant. How about that? Oh, wow. a pheasant. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Recently, uh, I observed a pheasant stalking a, and attempting to attack a newborn fawn. You know, of course, it's, you know, the, the uh, does are birthing their little fawns. And so here comes a little fawn that I saw coming down the, the trail, hobbling along. And uh, right behind the fawn is this big old ringneck pheasant. And wow. that pheasant's pecking at the back of that fawn. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, don't pick on that guy. He's He's just new in the world, you know? And so I thought, what in the world is going on? You know, this is different in the animal kingdom out here. And second example was observing another pheasant at a different time, stalking and attacking one of our large barn cats. They're not intimidated. No, no. You'd think it was just the opposite. I'm going, what in the world is going on? What's happening? Is this a new phenom? Well, not hardly. You know, Ben, it is pheasant romance season. Oh. I, I don't know if you knew that or not. I did not know well, that. We yeah. forget. Yeah, and I think they're just protecting their turf from uh, any invaders that might come along. So so just to kind of give you all a heads up that you need to be aware of the fact that there are predators out there that you probably never even knew before, like the ringneck pheasant. So can you, you hunt go. the pheasants, Phil? That's the next question. You can in season, and uh, unfortunately, it's not the correct season for hunting. So they're in the process of... Uh, of mating and, and creating their own little nests and that type of thing. But pheasant season normally takes place from about the first week in November till about the first week in January of every year. Mm-hmm. So End of the year. that's when it's open. Yep. And in the meantime, they're just kind of cultivating their little brood. Oh, yeah. well, that's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what animal is going to show up on your farm, Phil. There's, we've heard yeah. all kinds of them so far. 
I'm I'm ready That's for true. I'm ready for the the there was a bear that showed up about four years ago by the oh, way. Wow. Ambling through the area. <laughs> you know, we're not too far from Chicago or Madison, so it's kind of kind of weird that that would happen. But they came yeah. down from I guess Minnesota. Yes, I did hear about that mm-hmm. several years ago. Yeah. It's just one. Very interesting. Well, thank you for the update, Phil. It's always uh you never know what's gonna be going on out on the farm, but we always <laughs> love to hear from you. So we appreciate that. All right, let's jump into today's show today. Again, if you haven't joined us before, everything we do, we put up online at pathfinderwealth.com. You're gonna find all the podcasts there. Go back and, and search through some different topics that uh, might catch your attention. We cover all a wide range of financial planning and retirement planning topics. But once you get done, if you want to learn more, always feel free to reach out to Barbara and Phil. They're happy to sit down with you, begin that planning process, look over whatever you have, maybe give you a second opinion on what you're doing. And you can call them directly at 815-399-9806. All right. So sometimes the easiest way to learn about something is to make it really simple. Like those uh, true false tests you might have taken in school back in the day. We're going to do a little something similar Mm -hmm. today. We're going to play a little round of fact or fiction to test your financial planning acuity. So we're gonna, I'm going to pose the fact or fiction statement to you both, and I'll let you determine which it is and help explain it for us. So the first one on the podcast today, fact or fiction, your social security is taxable. Oh, okay. Mm. Well, I'm going to give you the good news and bad news. Mm-hmm. The, the bad news is it's taxable. Mm. The good news is not all of it is. So if okay. the only income that you'll have in retirement is Social Security, then your benefits aren't taxable. But for most people, they are taxable because of multiple sources of income to some extent. So there are thresholds for taxation, and there's a term called provisional income, and that's how your benefits are taxed. So that's all of your income, earned income, IRA income, income from taxable investments, from a pension, all income, and half of your Social Security benefit plus any tax-free bond interest if you have that. That's provisional income calculation for all of you listeners. You just learned something new today. For a single filer, the limit is $25,000 before you pay some tax on Social Security. For married filing joint, the limit is $32,000 before you'll start to see some taxes on Social Security. And for high incomes in retirement, those people will have about 85% of their benefit taxable. The maximum is 85%. So now as a side note, be careful if you want to collect benefits before your full retirement age, you have an earnings limit. You're allowed about $19,000 in 2021. And beyond that amount, you'll have to, they will hold back benefits until you reach full retirement age. So if you collect Social Security at age 62 and continue to work until full retirement age of 66 and your income is above $19,000, they're going to hold back $1 for every $2 over the limit. Basically, 50% of that benefit they're going to hold. But upon receive, uh, reaching ret- full retirement age, they'll recalculate your benefit. And the good news is you'll get that higher benefit at that time. So we believe that Social Security claiming is one of the most important decisions that you're going to make mm. because it's irreversible. <clears throat> so you want to make sure that when you start that process, that you get it right. Yeah, Barb. There's also some uh, tax planning opportunities that have cropped up here as a result of the latest Tax Reductions and Jobs Act of 2017. And that is that the standard deduction has been doubled. True too. And so what that means is that sometimes where you would have ordinarily been taxed on social security in the past, you won't be. And so if that has doubled, you can not only take your social security tax free, you may even be able to take money out of your IRA tax free, which is kind of incredible for people to believe or understand. And so we want to encourage folks to come to us and and ask us about uh, 
tax planning opportunities with regard to uh, the latest tax law change. Yeah, very good. It all depends on your sources of income in retirement as to how much of your social security is taxed. Mm -hmm. Yes, we've seen some good uh, cases where that's been the case and they don't pay tax. So a little good news, a little bit of bad news, as is the case a lot Mm -hmm. of times with uh, taxes. Well, let's stick with taxes for number two on our fact or fiction. Your taxes will be lower in retirement. Well, if uh, this statement assumes that your taxes will be lower because you are making less income in retirement, this statement could be fact. However, there's some things that we have to consider. And you have to kind of take this on a state-by-state basis, Ben, because in Illinois, the base tax rate is 9.52%. Now, that's incredible. What it does include is it includes property tax, individual income tax, and sales and excise tax. However, pensions and Social Security are excluded in Illinois from taxation here, which is kind of a neat reason for people who want to stay. Um, Other states, you know, those pensions and Social Security are taxed. New York currently has the highest tax rate at 12.79%. So we wonder why there's a max exodus leaving New York and California California the same way and and heading to Florida and Texas and places like that. Um, Incidentally, Alaska has the lowest tax rate at 5.1%, and that's from Wallet Hub a source we get our information from here. So it all depends on where you retire. But if we look back in history and we consider federal taxes from that standpoint, uh, in 1913, the 16th Amendment was passed and that instituted uh, the income tax program in in the United States. So we didn't have really a a consistent income tax uh, before that time that was made uh, law during certain times when the country was in crisis, like the Civil War and so forth, but it was dropped, but it became part of our history and, and part of normality since that time. So the tax rate at that time was on the low side, 1%, and on the high side, 7%. During the 1940s and 50s, it got as high as 94% for the top earners. Can you believe that? I remember motion picture uh, stars were declining to do films because they made in excess of 200000 and the income above that was taxed at 94%. Unbelievable. Yeah. During the 50s, 60s, and 70s, uh, the top rate never dropped below 70%. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, recently under the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017, it's been the lowest that we've seen since the 1913 timeframe. But many pre-retirees don't take in consideration the total taxes and fees. And by the way, fees are really a tax in a sense. And there's over 90 fees in Illinois, by the way. They must consider these particular fees and taxes that they have to continue to pay into retirement. So that has to be calculated into their income projection. So with all being said, uh, all this being said, uh, many tax reduction strategies uh, are available that we teach that the average uh, client just doesn't understand or is not aware of. So with a looming $120 billion unfunded pension cost here in Illinois, $120 billion of unfunded pension cost plus $28 trillion of federal debt, in a $3.1 trillion federal deficit, it is essential that those entering retirement understand tax reduction strategies and the ones we recommend. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge that retirees face right now is the current administration's future tax plan. Mm-hmm. You know, with the deficit to the level it is, they're going to raise taxes. That's it's going to happen. That's right. They, they've, they've said that. So it's just a matter of when, and then you'll likely be in a higher tax bracket. So um, also, too, if you are not taking any distributions from your IRA account when you retire, you'll be required to at age 72. So for some that have high IRA balances, that could raise them to the next highest bracket also. Mm -hmm. So answer, 
that's fiction. (laughs) (laughs) I would say, I would say it would be fiction for 90% of the populace out there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's always crazy to hear those, those tax rates, how high they've been in the past. It's always, it's always remarkable to hear. All right, let's get to uh, the next financial fact or fiction on the show. We'll move away from taxes now for the rest of the way. Let's go to Medicare. All right, fact or fiction. Medicare will cover most of your medical needs in retirement. Uh, Fiction. (laughs) There are about 62 million beneficiaries right now, so the program will cover about two-thirds of health care costs. And the amount that you'll need to cover premiums and out-of-pocket drug prescription costs is about $130,000 for a man and $146,000 for a woman once you reach the age 65 from then on until, until death. And that's from the Business News and Finance Report in July of last year. That's not even counting inflation. And also, it's not free. <laughs> There's a monthly cost for Medicare Part B and Part D for prescription coverage. And depending on the Medigap plan, you know, covering uh, expenses that Medicare doesn't cover, depending on the Medigap plan you choose, you could have a monthly cost to that also. And your monthly premium is based on your income. So your Medicare Part A, you know, the hospital is what you paid for during your working years. That's what's been deducted from your paycheck every every, uh, month, every paycheck. But Part D and Part B, you do have to pay for. Now, that's all based on your income. So if you have a high income, this is an important point to remember for highly paid executives. And that is that you'll be paying a premium above the regular cost for Medicare Part B and D when you first retire. Because again, the monthly amount you pay depends on how high your income is just prior to reaching age 65. Typically, you'll end up paying that additional amount for one to two years after you retire. Uh, They look at tax returns to determine the amount that you pay. That's an important point. I've spoken with a couple of highly paid executives that were not aware of that in the past. So that is something for you to remember if you are a listener. Mm. So healthcare and retirement, along with taxes, are you going to be your two biggest expenses? But the unfortunate thing is, Phil, that there are two of the unknowns also. They are. They really are. And that's without talking about the expense of long-term mm. care or a nursing home facility. So you have to you have to have some kind of a of a plan to pay for these expenses. No plan is still a plan. I think it's really important to to hammer away at that whole idea of covering yourself for long-term care. Costs. My mom right now is uh, in a facility and getting excellent care. Unfortunately, we can't see her because of the COVID uh, restrictions, but uh, we're paying, uh, or she is paying $200 a day right now for her care. She says it's like a fine hotel. <laughs> it better be for that cost. Yeah. But, you know, people are just really unaware that uh, the possibilities of them going into a nursing home are very high. Modern medicine has dictated that we're all live to about age 120. So, mm-hmm. you know, at some point or another, you're going to need some kind of long-term care and uh, you better have a way to pay for it and, and a plan in place. Well, inflation on nursing homes right now is about 6% oh, a year. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. So even if, even if you look at a plan uh, for two years out there, average stay in a nursing home is what, about 2.8 years, a two or three year plan, it's taken some of the heat off of your your uh, your estate. Oh yeah, it'll it'll wipe out some estates too. Yeah, have a plan. Have a plan for your medical needs in retirement. Absolutely, don't just depend on Medicare. All right, final fact or fiction on the show today. As you get older, you should gradually shift from stocks to bonds. This was a pretty common piece of advice, uh, rule of thumb, call it that advisors promoted in years past, Ben. The idea was that uh, to get as much growth from stocks in your accumulation years, 
But in the distribution years or those years of retirement, uh, you switch over to bonds. And so you need the income, not the growth. And so it also reduced the amount of volatility, market volatility in your later years. Who needs to be in a financial roller coaster at that point, right? So um, only one small problem with this strategy, it won't work today. And the reason it won't work is because interest rates paid on government bonds and bills, CDs, and corporate investment-grade bonds will not keep up with inflation and the cost of living needs. It just won't happen. The interest rates are, are practically zero in those uh, short-term instruments. So the, the 6 to 10% annual growth rate provided by stock funds may still be available, but not the 4 to 6% safe interest rates that bonds provided. And those are not available any longer. So today, as we uh, work with our clients, we we want to tell them that you know when you look at bonds in the portfolio, you're not looking at interest rates. Why are those bonds in there? The bonds need to be held not for the income, but rather to offset the volatility of the stock market. Uh, since you must hold stocks to cover costs in retirement at a minimum, we recommend a 50% stock holding, stock fund holding, and a 50% bond fund mix. So 20 years ago, Barb, uh, the suggestion was 70% bonds because we had enough income coming from those bonds to reduce mm-hmm. down the risk and to give us adequate income. Uh, and 30% was in stocks, but now it's 50-50. It's been increased. And I remember years ago, there was a, a philosophy that used to be promoted. And we were uh, told this was pretty accurate, that when you're 30 years of age, you have 70% in stock, 30% bonds. But as you get older and you become age 70, now you should have 70% in bonds and 30% in stocks as you're 80. So as the age moves up, you hold a higher uh, weighting of bonds in the portfolio. Well, that just won't cut it anymore. So without the help of equities or stock funds, uh, plus the increase in life expectancy in retirement, you know, if you don't have the adequate mix, there's a good possibility you could deplete your retirement funds and uh, lose that money earlier than, uh, than you should. Yeah, you know, you had mentioned all the things that we we just previously talked about this on a recent podcast. And and I first thing that comes to mind is uh, first things first, as Stephen Covey would say, Mm -hmm. and, you know, thinking, taking into account your income needs, whether you're married, your age, tax bracket, all of that, plus your investments. And then when you have all of that information, you can choose an investment strategy, like you were saying, Phil, good 50-50 mix or, or thereabout considered a balanced and then how much can you withdraw from that portfolio and maintain it for the 30 years? So the investment strategy is the final decision. It's not the first. Exactly you right, know? right. And then, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, bonds right now are hardly holding their own in investment portfolios, right? Exactly. I mean, you can get higher interest rates with bonds or what they call premiums with bonds, but a lot of times those are not investment grade bonds. So be aware of that. And in an environment where the interest rates are so low and they go up, anytime that the interest rates increase, the bond values will drop. And so you can end up with a very low percentage of that, that bond when you want to cash out. Yeah, you'll be selling at a deep discount. At a discount, correct. Well, I think all these are just a good reminder that it's important to sit down with someone that knows uh, for sure all these different things. You might assume some of these things are true, and they might actually be true in some cases or, or fiction in other cases. It just depends on your specific situation. And that's how most of financial planning and retirement planning works. So sit down with an advisor, sit down with a professional that can help you through this. Uh, Barbara and Phil are there and available. If you haven't begun your planning process, you can do that with them over at Pathfinder Wealth Management, serving the Rockford area. A lot of resources on the website too at pathfinderwealth.com, including this podcast and every podcast we've done. We archive it there. It's on demand. You can listen to it whenever you choose. And please subscribe to the show too, so you don't miss a single episode that we do. And you can find us on any podcasting platform. 
right, Barbara and Phil, you guys passed the financial factor fiction test today with flying colors. All right. <laughs> we, uh, I'll promise, I promise no pop quizzes for a while. We'll, we'll hold off a little bit, but I do appreciate all the information today. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Ben. Appreciate that. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.